Good morning, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's cool enough. We'll be all right. I'm off here. But good morning. You know, last week we talked about how, you know, you don't have to see Jesus in the middle of your situation to know that he's working in it, right? I talked about in Genesis how the word of God says that in the formless, empty darkness that was covering the earth, it said the spirit of God was still moving. And we talked about a story, right? We read about how Peter and them went fishing. They fished all night. And then it was said before the dawn, Jesus came, but they didn't see him. And it was just a reminder that even in the middle of our situations that God is always present. He's always working before we even realize he is. And it's how our faith plays a difference in what we experience. How instead of going to things that are unhealthy because they're familiar when we're at a loss, we can begin to go to things that are better for us. We can create a new familiar. And in fact, we can actually see God move through our mess and use it to transform us in ways that we need to be transformed and ways that fulfill his plans, his purpose, and even our identity. And today we're going to be reading in James chapter 2. Uh, today's message is called, What Good Is It? Because there's a lot of things that we could obtain in this life, but if we never use them in our life, then what good are they really, right? Eventually they just they become useless, just like this jersey, right? This jersey I see. <laughs> No, but if you see me wearing this jersey, for one, you probably already know me. You know where my dedication and my loyalty lies, right? It's not with the 49ers. It's with the Cowboys, right? So I wore this jersey out of respect because I did lose a bet, y'all, okay? But it's not even about the bet, okay? Because you can see me and you already know where I stand without having this jersey on, right? It looks good, yeah. But there's other people... Other believers that you would even say are bandwagon fans. Y'all know what a bandwagon fan is, right? Anybody that's winning, they say, hey, that's my team right there. Or anybody that wins them over in those moments, they don't have any true allegiance. They don't have no true loyalty. They just kind of come and go with anything. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today when it comes to our faith. Is that you could come to church on a Sunday. You could be involved in Bible studies. You could be involved in a lot of different things. But it never even reflects your real life. Because you attend these things, they should be seen in your life. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes people come to church on Sunday, but they're never the church outside of that Sunday or outside of that moment. And that's what we're going to be learning and reading about in James. As yes, we all need to have faith in Jesus. We need to have belief in Jesus. But what are we doing with it? What good is it going to serve us if that's all we have is a belief and a faith? And so before we go further, before we read in James chapter 2, I want us to pray uh, for the Cowboys, because I know we're all hurting right now. No. I want us to pray, though, that we would be people of faith that could be seen in more than just our words, but seen in the way that we live and our actions. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace and for your mercy, uh, that even though we don't always get it right, Father, you're willing to walk beside us. You're willing to be patient. Uh, you're willing to guide us in ways to be better. And so, Father, I just pray that we would come with open ears, open hearts, uh, that wherever we are lacking, you would identify it. You would help us grow in those areas. But even in the discomfort, even in the pain, even in the mistakes that we make, uh, it wouldn't be something that we avoid or something that we try to ignore, but it would be something that we go to you and walk through. And so, Lord, help us be people with more than just words, but people of action. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. And, uh, man, we just thank you for being good to us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. James chapter 2, we're going to be reading at verse 14 to 26. Of course, we'll have it on the screen. You're probably like, what happened to the other screen, Pastor? Uh, it broke, okay. I got to replace the light bulb in it, and uh, we don't have no ladder, so I'm going to have to do the Mexican pyramid and figure it out, but we'll get to it, all right? But James chapter 2, verse 14, it starts off saying this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So Jason is saying, hey, you got faith, man, that's awesome, that's great, I'm proud of you, I appreciate it, I'm glad you're at that point. But how is it affecting your life? How is it influencing somebody else? How can somebody else be touched by it and be changed by it? He said there should come a point in our walk and our journey with Jesus that our faith is seen in the way that we live, not just in the way that we talk. And part of our mission as a believer, right, when you enter into God's family, that's part of his will, that's part of our purpose, is that our life reflects him on this earth. That people see us and they see God, they see Jesus. And not only do they see him, but they experience him through us. And so James is saying, so what good is it if you have faith, but you're doing nothing with it? Our actions represent them, our beliefs and where our faith lies. And he's saying, look, man, you don't have to always talk about Jesus to have loud faith. You can have loud faith when it's seen through the way that you handle yourself and your actions. And I want you to start off taking this away this morning. Unless your faith is expressed, it won't help anybody else. Unless your faith is expressed with more than words, I'm talking about your actions, it won't help anybody else. We all have heard the saying, you know, you are blessed to be a blessing so you can bless others. But when we keep that blessing to ourselves, what we really end up doing is we're shortchanging the blessing that God has given to us. And instead of it making a huger impact in somebody else's life or even working in our own, we shortchange it. And Jesus said in his word, when they asked him, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He said, man, it is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second and equally great important commandment is to love your neighbors as you love yourself. He said, how you love other people is how it's going to reflect how you love God. And that's something we've probably heard time and time again. But he's saying, hey, man, you got to understand there's got to be more to you than just lip service, right? And so we take this and when we hear James say, hey, so you need to be make sure that you're supporting people, that you're providing clothes and food. Sometimes we take things too literally, right? Because we're like, okay, that means every moment that I'm in this space, I need to be doing these things. No matter if I have it or not, I need to just go and do it. James ain't saying that because he knows how we are. We are people that will burn ourselves to the ground trying to prove our value, trying to prove our worth, trying to prove that we are who we say we are. And James is saying, hold up, I'm not saying all that, okay? But I am saying that when you are prompted by God, when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit, when you are seeing Jesus' example, and you are in a position to help somebody, you have the money, you have the time, then you know what you should do? Help that person, right? Live out your faith. Not just talk about it. He said, don't just say, hey, man, that's good. I pray you ate well. You're good. I'll see you later when you see somebody eating Eve. What happens is when we are not doing anything with our faith, we become unused. 
And eventually we're going to start to feel empty. Spiritually, we're going to start to feel like something is lacking. Our life is going to become shallow because it's not part of our design. It's not part of our purpose. Part of our purpose is to go beyond us. It's going to be part of something bigger. It's to touch other people's life with Jesus through us and in us. So James is trying to get us to understand that when we fail to live out our faith with our actions, man, somebody else is always getting affected, including ourselves. So we got to put our faith to action by helping those around us. Because it's possible to have a useless faith that's not accompanied or accomplishing anything in this life. So if you say you trust God, it should affect your feet, right? So if your brother's saying, man, I'm hungry, I need this, and you're in a position to feed them, you have extra food, that doesn't mean, hey, well, you should come to church on Sunday. Hey, you should come to this Bible study. They don't need another sermon, right? They need a sandwich, right? My brother's hungry, I need to go ahead and feed him instead of just giving him words all the time. And that's what James is trying to understand. Look, there's a place and time for everything. And sometimes God has positioned you to meet a need to act out your faith in a way that people experience him. But you have to be mindful of the opportunity and you have to be willing to express your faith. And we struggle with that because we are on the spectrum of like, well, I don't have it right now. I can't do it right now. Or we go all in and we put ourselves in a position that God isn't asking us to. We do way too much. So James is saying, hey, I need you to be conscious of both of these things because, yes, it's good to have faith, but it should be seen in your actions. And when you have these things, they should be married in a way that they work together, that they're displayed and they're seen. But let's continue to read. Let's see what else James says. Let's go to verse 17. He says, now some may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So James is reminding us, man, having faith in Jesus, man, that's awesome. But it's not the ending point. It's a starting point. That that's where we should begin in our walk with him. But it shouldn't be the end of it. James is saying, look, man, don't think that those good deeds are going to be the way that you're saved. That's not going to be the way to salvation, right? And that's the thing about other religions. Other religions say, hey, you know what? If you do these things, you earn these merits, you'll be forgiven, you'll be saved. But that ain't the way that Christianity, that ain't the way that God, that Jesus works. Because the word of God said it is by believing in your heart that Jesus died for you, that he was raised from the tomb, and declaring with your mouth that you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that you are saved. So James is saying, look, man, I'm not saying that doing good things are going to lead to you being saved or your salvation. But what I am saying is that it should be a reflective of how you appreciate and your gratitude to Jesus for what he's done for you. So our actions should be a response of how thankful we are for Jesus giving his life. So our faith should match our actions again. And he's trying to make sure that we have a distinction between the both of them. That when we don't accompany actions with our faith, we're putting a cap onto what God is trying to do in us and through us. And I want you to receive this this morning, take this away. Faith makes you save, but actions that follow it, and we're going to make you changed. So faith makes you save, but what follows it, your actions, is what's going to change you. So you could believe in Jesus, you could be saved, and you could be struggling to be changed. Because that's all you have. Well, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that because of him I'm forgiven. But then you don't do nothing with that. What happens? You still remain the same person because you're not allowing God to work in you and through you. And that's what James is saying, man. How your actions follow your faith is how you're going to start to be transformed. Because you've got to learn how to apply God's word. 
You got to learn how to obey the Holy Spirit. You got to learn how to see Jesus' examples and say, okay, now I know the model that I need to follow. We have to live these things out. And when we fail to do so, all we're doing is lip service. There's no action. We become that wall that's blocking those blessings. We say, God, would you heal me in this area? Would you help me in this place? But then we don't follow up with what he's asking us to do. Well, we're stopping ourselves from receiving that healing, receiving that blessing. So if I'm cussing all the time, right? I'm like, Lord, you got to help me with my cussing, with my tongue. But I'm never being mindful of it. I'm never preventing myself. I'm not doing anything to help the situation. What am I doing? I'm blocking God trying to work in that moment, right? So I can pray for these things all day long, but I got to align myself up with my actions and my faith to see God move through it. And if not, then I'm working against myself instead of with myself. And I want you to think about like a kid. Has a kid ever come and ask you like, hey, can we go over here? Or, hey, can you do this for me? And you're like, cool, but make sure your room's clean, right? Hey, if you do this, then we'll go ahead and we'll go over there. I could do this for you. And they're like, cool. And so sometimes you do need a system in those things. But if they didn't, they didn't clean the room, what are you going to tell them? Sorry for you, right? I told you to do this. You didn't do that. Like, I don't know how you expect me to help you in your situation when you're not even helping yourself. And the thing is, God doesn't need our help to make anything capable, right? But oftentimes, he's not going to place us in a position or in a place that we've been praying for until we align ourselves with him. Because oftentimes, we're working against him. And so, yes, he could do anything without our help, but he's saying, oftentimes, I don't need you just to understand what the situation is, but I need you to have some buy-in to it. I need it to cost you something. Because if it costs us something, what do we do? We're more focused. We pay more attention. We're actually like, you know what? I, I, I value what I'm doing because I know what I had to put in for it. When it doesn't cost you anything, what do you do? You don't really care, right? If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh, well, I try. I shot my side. James is saying, man, it can't be like that, though, with our faith. We got to match it up with our actions. So the reason that you don't see movement and the things that you've been praying for is probably because you haven't been doing any action to help it with it. Because us doing nothing, it gives room for nothing to happen. So you could want change, but how are you contributing to the change that you seek? Y'all know the phrase, right? Be the change that you want to see. Doing nothing, it doesn't cost you anything, but it costs you a lot. James is telling us, man, we want to see fruit in these areas, man. We got to allow our actions to be aligned up with God so he could come through instead of working against ourselves. So that's something we need to think about, right? I've been praying for God to move in this situation, but has my faith and my actions been coming together to see you move in that situation? Or is my actions doing the opposite? Yes, God, I believe you could do this, but I'm actually not helping the situation. I'm hurting it because my actions are doing nothing. My actions are actually working against me. James is trying to make us mindful of this. Yes, you're going to be faith. You're going to be saved because of your faith. But what are your actions doing to help you in your situation? Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 21 through 26. So then James concludes by saying this. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right by God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, he was shown to be right with God by what he did, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions, 
when she hid the messengers and sent them safely along a different road. And just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. So again, James is like, yo, I, I need you to really understand that your faith is good, doing good deeds is good, but these things separately are still going to leave you spiritually unhealthy because you need both of these when it comes to our walk. And it's when we apply both of these that we see God go further than we could with just our words. I want you to receive this finally this morning. Our faith is to be expressed, not just shared. Our faith is to be expressed. When we live out our faith in actions, we're able to be stretched way beyond what we could do for ourselves. See, before Abraham had offered Isaac on the altar, he had already had a history with God. The first time Abraham had had an encounter with God, God told him, look, man, if you would drop everything, if you would leave your family, everything that you knew, everything that you know, I'm going to give you something greater and a land that's far from here and a land that you're just going to have to trust me with. But I, I promise you, I'm going to be faithful to it. Abraham could have been like, nah, I'm good, man. I like my family. I like what I know. I don't need all that. But he trusted God. He said, you know what? I'm willing to go with you on this journey. And because of it, he saw that God was faithful to his promise. And God said, man, because you have been faithful to this, man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bless you again. But this time, I'm going to give you a son. And through your son, it's going to birth a nation. You're going to have many descendants. You're going to change the world through your lineage. And Abraham at the time was already 100 years old. So he was already at a point that he couldn't have children. So was his wife, right? They're at a place that it should have been impossible to give birth to a child. But he trusted God. He said, okay, I don't know how this is going to happen, but you say it's going to happen. So let me live with an expectation. Let me live with preparation. Let me do what's necessary. And even in the middle of this, he didn't get it all right. His wife convinced him to sleep with one of their servants and ended up becoming a whole lot of mess. But even through the mess, God still worked in that. God still gave him a son. God was still faithful. So by the time that he asked Abraham to put Isaac on the altar, Abraham had already had a history of walking with God, a history of building up his faith, a history of putting his action with his faith and seeing God be faithful. So for him, he was like, yo, I know how God works. I don't have to understand the situation to know that he's faithful to the situation. So if you've been walking for the Lord for a while, you could be like Abraham and have a history built up over time to see God's faithfulness and to put your action with your faith. Or you could be on the flip side of it because James said, what about Rahab the prostitute? She was a person that was living far from God. She was a person that was ready to be killed because the Israelites were getting ready to take over this land. They sent some spies out to check out the land and she happened to be one person that they came in contact with. But she had an encounter with God that said, man, you know what? If I were to help these people, that my family could be saved, I could be saved. Not just to physically be saved, but spiritually be saved. That they'll be changed forever. She had the opportunity. She didn't have the history like Abraham. But she allowed what she believed. She allowed her faith and her actions to be matched up. And she helped these messengers. She helped these spies. She hid them. They ended up protecting her and her family. Everybody was saved. So James is saying, look, whatever spectrum we find ourselves in today, whether we have a long history with the Lord, whether we don't have a history with the Lord, when you have your faith and you match it with your actions, you're going to see God move through both of them in ways that are always going to benefit you. So that's what we have to be mindful of, church. Good, it's good to say, you know what, I put my faith into Jesus, but what good is that going to serve us if that's all we ever do? So we put our faith into him, but we don't allow our actions to match anything. What good is that going to serve, right? 
if I were to go and I'll give you all the tools to cut the grass in your yard, that's going to be great, right? But if you don't use it to cut your grass, it becomes useless. It becomes just things that you're storing, things that you're holding on to, but not things that are fulfilling its purpose. And that's the thing. The Word of God says that I got plans for you. I got a future and a hope. I got beautiful things for you. I got ways that I want you to be a part of my kingdom in ways that are going to be fruitful and change this world. But unless you put the action along with your faith, you will become useless too. Yes, you'll be saved. Yes, you're going to go to eternity with me in heaven. But I got so much more for you on this earth. And you'll never experience it if your actions don't match your faith. So James is saying, man, it's cool to do good things. But that doesn't make you saved. Having faith does. And it's cool to have faith. But we are made and, and birthed for so many more things than that. Sharing about Jesus is a great thing. Inviting people to church, to Bible studies, man, those are all great things. There's the things I want us to do. We should be looking at our fans, our family, and say, man, I hope that you want to experience what I've experienced with the Lord. Come and join me in this. But what's even more powerful than us sharing our words is what? Our actions, right? Because our actions often speak louder than our words. And this is what the challenge that I have for all of us today. That we would express your faith with your actions. When people see you, do they know you're a believer? Or they just see you and they just know, that, hey, that's my friend, that's my homie. Like, how are you living in a way that they could tell that you actually follow Jesus, that you're actually about this life? One of the things you would always see about me, you probably notice, is I would always have a cross out, right? But just because I have a cross out doesn't mean much nowadays, right? There's a lot of people that wear jewelry, that wear crosses. That doesn't mean they're saved. That doesn't mean they're a believer. That doesn't mean they're a follower. I could share about Jesus all day long, but if my actions don't match my faith, at the end of the day, what's it going to really matter? We got to come to a point that it could be seen in our actions. Because when we are applying our actions with our faith, man, that's how we truly get transformed. That's how we truly get changed. That's how God works in us and he begins to strip off the things that are not of us. So that's my challenge, that we would be people of this church. That when we step out of these doors, man, we would go and be the church. Not just with our words, not just with the encouragement, not just by praying with people, but with our actions. That people will see you in the store and say, you know what, let me go talk to them because I know they're a follower because I've seen the way they carry themselves. I heard the conversations. I saw their actions. Man, I could tell that they're close to the Lord and they're drawn to you. The Word of God talks about a light, that you never put a lamp under a table. You don't hide a lamp. You put it where? At a place that it could be seen. And that's the thing. God has positioned all of us in places that we can be seen so that way his light can shine through you. But it's not enough to share about Jesus if it doesn't mean that our actions aren't to follow. Man, our actions have to match our faith. And that's what I want to challenge you with. And it makes me think of this verse that I love and it's always been written on my heart. It's in Ecclesiastics 5, 7. It's not on the screen. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. It says, talk is cheap like daydreams and other useless activities. We all know people that talk, right? And never match their words with their actions. And what happens after time? Man, they talking and they talking. And before you know it, you're like, man, you can say whatever because I don't believe you. I know how you are. I've seen your actions and they don't match up. Well, as a believer, that's the same true about us. We could talk about God. We could talk about Jesus all day long. But if our actions aren't matching our words, then we become useless. Then people start to tune us out. Then it doesn't even matter what we're saying because our actions aren't matching our words. Our talk is cheap. They become daydreams. They become useless activities. So church, let's be people of action 
of not just words. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've given us a greater purpose than one that we deserve, but one that even we're capable of doing on our own. Father, all you said is to join you in the work. You said that we don't have to figure it all out, that we don't have to do all the work, but we have the opportunity to be a part of something greater than ourselves. So, Lord, would you help us match our words and our actions together? Will we put our faith where our feet is, Lord, and not just be people that talk the talk, but people that actually walk the walk? Will people see us and they will know the difference in us, that we are a light, that we are different? That we would bless people because of the way that you're blessing us. And it wouldn't just be lip service, Lord, but it would be seen in our actions. So, Father, I just thank you that you are a man of action. That you don't just talk about promises, you fulfill them. So, Lord, help us reflect that. Father, you called us to reflect you on this earth. And oftentimes, all we do is reflect things that are not of you. So, Father, we ask for forgiveness, Lord, that you would help us for this. That you would make us better from this. But like even like Peter... That you would use our mistakes and our mess to birth something even greater than we even realized before. Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness and who you are. And we thank you that, man, every day, every moment is another opportunity to walk with you and include you. So help us do that today and even when we leave here. Father, we love you and pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to a time of...